Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to The Profit Podcast, everything NFL and fantasy football related all year long. With your host, Calvin Wright. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Profit Podcast. How is it going? Week one is all but one game into the books. We made it through the first two slates of Sunday games. We made it through Sunday night football. We got to see Matthew Stafford torch the Bears. We got to see Justin Fields take the field and look way better than Andy Dalton. And then Matt Nagy keep Andy Dalton in the game. We got to see that, which was... Which is, you know, what do you expect from from those coaches at this point? But we got to see some absolutely fantastic football. But most importantly, the football that we saw on the TV or your illegally streamed website, it counted for fantasy. It wasn't just preseason. It wasn't rewinds. No, this was live, real NFL regular season football. And it was glorious. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was nervous. More nervous than I've ever been heading into the first slate of games. It was 1 o'clock game. It was 12.30. I was feeling very jittery because I realized if Jalen Hurst went out there and sucked and Devontae Smith didn't catch a touchdown and Joe Mixon didn't look good and all, the, all these different players, if, if things didn't go well for, for, for the players that I've been hyping up, for the past eight months, this page would be in a, a little bit of a, a tight spot. It wouldn't be like the death of the prophet. No, but, but I was nervous that things wouldn't go well for these players that I've been hyping up week one. And I would really basically have to start week two off by trying to convince you that you should listen to me, which would have been just a tough position to be in. So I was nervous as we headed into that, that week one slate of games that the players I was hyping up, they would bust and everyone would fill the comment sections with, with, what happened to this guy? You told me he'd be good. And I have to say, oh, it's just week one, relax. But no, they, they did well. Jalen Hurts went out there, looked absolutely fantastic. So did Joe Mixon. So did DeAndre Swift. We had a great game. And we are here now to break it down. We're here to break down all the games that happened, all the games that went down, and tell you the fantasy implications, who you need to pick up right now, who you need to maybe drop. So let's just jump right into it. Starting off, we talked about Tampa Bay and Dallas, so let's start it off on a high note with Philadelphia versus the Atlanta Falcons. Jalen Hurts, you came through. You came through in a big way. 27 points in standard leagues. 27 of 35 or 264 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. That is a fantastic game. Seven carries for 62 yards. Oh yeah, there it is. There's what we're looking for as well. The rushing ability, they're still using him as a runner. 
But the passing, he looked on fire. He made some great plays, rolling out right, cross body, dart to the end zone. Jalen Hurts looked like an NFL starting quarterback. And hopefully that, that, uh, that helped out your fantasy team. Now on this team, Miles Sanders also looked fantastic. We talked about his, his usage when Jalen Hurts was in, uh, in last year. He looked great because Jalen Hurts, the defense has to watch for him as a runner. You know, every play action, does Jalen Hurts actually have it? Or is it? And Miles Sanders benefited massively. 15 carries, not a ton of volume, but 74 yards, very efficient. Four or five receptions for another 39 yards. Miles Sanders, amazing game. Devontae Smith, though, this is the one I really want to touch on. People were worried Smith was too skinny, too small for the NFL. I know it's only week one, but we got one week of great production from Devontae Smith of him looking like that elite receiver he was at Alabama. Six of eight for 71 yards and a touchdown. He made some big plays, some impressive catches. He was getting separation from the very start. He outscored Calvin Ridley. Devontae Smith looked great. Now, will it keep up? We have to wait and see. San Francisco, they, they let up a lot of yards to the Lions. It's, not, it's kind of too early to say they're a bad defense or they're a good defense, but they let up a lot of yards in, uh, <clears throat> to the Lions. Uh, so I think Smith and will we'll keep it up. San Francisco, uh, D- Dallas is next after San Francisco. They just got torched by everyone on the, the the Buccaneers. So Devontae Smith, I'm staying in the flames. I see it as three starts to the season for Devontae Smith in fantasy where you can trust him. Now, Jalen Hurts, of course, staying in the flames with him as well. Startable all season long. He's going to be one of the players that I, I'm talking about all year long. Start him over practically everyone else. Now, on this Atlanta side of the ball, man, man, oh, man. What 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 do we even say? Matt Ryan, 21 completions for 164 yards, zero touchdowns. Mike Davis, 49 yards. Calvin Ridley, 51 yards. Kyle Pitts, four for 31. A horrible outing from Atlanta. Just a, a pathetic performance. Now they go face Tampa Bay. That's that's not really exciting to me. If they couldn't get it done against Philadelphia, what's going to happen is they face that Tampa Bay D-line. Are we benching Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts? I don't think we can bench them, but we're in a tough spot because we saw nothing yesterday that would give us any sort of confidence in these two players. So it's really too early to say, ah, oh, they could be bust, but... We're going to go into week three and there's a really solid chance that they haven't given you a good performance yet. Now, Calvin Ridley, I I still believe in him as wide receiver one, of course. But if Matt Ryan can't get it done, if his line isn't holding up, I mean, Mike Davis was getting blown up and this is against Philly. Philly's not terrible, but they're no Tampa Bay. I, I'm nervous. I'm a little nervous for this Atlanta offense because we've always known their defense is pathetic, but their offense has been high-powered. So we'll see what Atlanta can do, but I am a little nervous. I, I'm not going to overreact, but we have to react a little bit to what happens week one. And that was Atlanta looking terrible. But we got to give them a little time. 
new coach, no Julio. There's going to be some adjusting, but how long will it take for, for Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts to produce? It might be longer than we expected. It might be a little longer than we expected. It might be, uh, it might wait till week three against the Giants and then week five against Jets. I mean, they might not be matchup proof like we were used to. All right, Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Big Ben looked as old as ever, looked as washed as ever, but he got it done against Buffalo. The upset win, Josh Allen really didn't, didn't perform the way that fantasy owners expected either uh, 270 yards and 51 pass attempts. That's wild. Only one touchdown, nine carries for 44 yards, but he fumbled as well. Uh, a pretty lackluster 15 points from Josh Allen. The runners, bad. Najee Harris, 16 for 45 and five points. Devin Singletary, nine points. Uh, Deontay Johnson came through. Claypool came through, kind of. This was just a bad game offensively for the most part. Uh, De- Deontay Johnson was the only player that you were pleased with on, on Pittsburgh's side of the ball, really. Five for 10, 36 yards and touchdown. Stephon Diggs, pretty disappointing as well. 69 yards, no touchdown. Cole Beasley, 60 yards, no score. This was just a, a bad offensive uh, performance from Buffalo and a pretty bad offensive performance from Pittsburgh. I'm not exactly worried about either of these teams at all. Najee Harris, this is exactly what I expected. Um, it, it was a really tough matchup to come out against Buffalo uh, in an offense that isn't exactly elite, <laughs> to say the least. And what we were looking for mostly was what is his involvement going to be? And it's going to be heavy. We got that answered. He was, he was on the field pretty much the whole game. Uh, and and I think that the production goes up. Vegas, that's a tough matchup on paper. But, but, uh, but David Montgomery did well against them. So there's hope for him next week against Las Vegas, especially if he gets in the end zone. But then he's got Cincinnati, Green Bay coming up. I'm not worried about Najee Harris. If he puts up another dud this coming week against Vegas... I would say buy low candidate. Right now, he's not a buy low candidate exactly because no one is going to overreact that extremely to a bad game that they trade away their second round pick. I wasn't super, super high on Harris. I said RB2 with RB1 upside, not RB1 with you know top five upside. So this is kind of what I expected week one. I talked about it in the other podcast. But uh, yeah, just a pretty bad game offensively. Najee Harris, don't overreact. If you can, buy low, but don't send your your Najee Harris owner scrap metal for, for their second-round pick. Jets, Carolina. Sam Darnold got his revenge. 279, a touchdown. Then a rushing touchdown as well. He looked pretty darn good. Got his revenge against the Jets with Robbie Anderson. Catching a long touchdown, 57-yarder for a touchdown. That was his only catch of the game. <laughs> he made the most of it. DJ Moore was definitely the wide receiver one in this game. Terrence Marshall looked pretty good with limited involvement. And then Christian McCaffrey. People who were doubting Christian McCaffrey saying, draft Saquon over him, draft Kamara. McCaffrey is on another planet when it comes to fantasy production. First game back from the injury... In a new offense with a new coach and new new quarterback to him. 
187 yards from scrimmage. 187 yards from scrimmage. 21 attempts for 98 yards. 9 of 9 on receiving for 89 yards. McCaffrey is absolutely unreal. He's just an unreal player. And he has Houston coming up. He's got Dallas coming up. He should... He, he I think he'll finish again as the, the running back one. No one else sees that type of type of production on both the passing and the running game. McCaffrey is unreal. No one in this Jets backfield will be usable this year. I, I'm starting to be convinced of that. Ty Johnson, 4 for 15. Michael Carter, 4 for 6. Tevin Coleman, 9 for 24. It's a three-headed monster, and it's an unproductive one. <laughs> Zach Wilson looked pretty good in his debut. I'll give him that. Not not like on the stat sheet, not for fantasy, but watching him, he looked pretty good. Made some mistakes. But the main benefactor, Corey Davis, 5 for 7, 97 yards and two touchdowns. He seems to be the only wide receiver in this offense who's usable. Uh, so he will be very solid in fantasy as long as he's healthy. Just out of necessity. Because he's the only one there to get the ball. I mean, they don't have a running back. Braxton Berrios, like, fine, I guess. But Corey Davis... Uh, could could really win people leagues because he flew under the radar all draft season. We'd talk about for a second. Yeah, he's going to be very productive, but Elijah Moore did nothing. One catch for negative three yards. Ew. So Corey Davis, absolute steal, it might be. He's got New England coming up, tougher matchup. Denver coming up, tougher matchup. But then he's got Tennessee and Atlanta uh, down the road before the bye. So I'm pretty high on Davis rest of the season uh, as, a, as a wide receiver three flex option with a massive upside. Cincinnati and Minnesota. Oh my. Cincinnati got their win in overtime as time expired. This was an exciting one. Joe Burrow looked pretty good. 20 for 27 and 261 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't exactly equate to fantasy production, but but in real life, it was a very solid game for him. Kirk Cousins, once again, is a great streaming option as always. He threw for 351 yards and two touchdowns. The running backs came to play. Dalvin Cook got it done with 19 points. Not really many uh, massive plays, but hey, he got it done. Don't complain about 19 points when other people's RB1s got them. Five. Joe Mixon, though. Profit approved Joe Mixon came through in a big way. 29 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Four receptions, four for four for 23 yards, 4.38 yards per carry. Great performance from Joe Mixon and great usage. He was on the field. He's, he's the RB1, the RB2. There's no Giovanni Bernard. Coming in, this is Joe Mixon's season. If he can stay healthy in this offense, Jamar Chase stretching the field, Joe Mixon is in for a career year. Speaking of Jamar Chase, dude looked fantastic. I thought, I thought, you know, preseason came, all the fantasy TikTok pages said uh, they should have taken Sewell. Jamar Chase, he's officially a bust because he dropped four passes in preseason and he can't create separation. What's that about can't create separation? Uh, 50-yard touchdown. Bam. 101 yards for a touchdown. Five of seven receiving. 20 fantasy points. Jamar Chase might be a stud. He might be a stud. He's got Chicago coming up. Chicago looked pitiful. They're leaving people wide open. Jamar Chase should be playable then. 
He's got Pittsburgh tougher, but then he's got Jacksonville and Green Bay coming up. Jamar Chase, if you could capitalize on the people freaking out about preseason football, you might have gotten yourself a massive steal. T. Higgins, though, we're worried. Who's going to be the odd man out? Is it T. Higgins? Is it Tyler Boyd? It might be Tyler Boyd, which is kind of surprising because Boyd has been kind of a staple of, of solidness in fantasy football for as long as I can remember. But T. Higgins, four for five, 58 and touchdown. A Boyd and Higgins, it's kind of going to, they're 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 going to rely on touchdowns more than Chase because Chase is more explosive. He can get 50 yards on one play. Even if he doesn't get touchdown, hey, that's six points in PPR. Whereas Higgins and Boyd, they're going to rely on the touchdowns more. But Chase and Higgins, those two wide receivers, they, they could be very startable wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos. We don't want to overreact, but this was a solid performance from Cincinnati, and it didn't seem fluky. It wasn't like they came out and just absolutely scored shared. No, this was just a solid game. They had ups, they had downs, and these guys produced. On the other side of the ball, look who produced, Adam Thielen. 9 of 10 for 92 and 2 touchdowns. We talked about it all offseason. We're fading Thielen. The touchdowns are unsustainable. Well, he's got two. He's on pace for uh, <laughs> 34 touchdowns this season. Adam Thielen and Tyler Lockett are two players that fantasy football TikTok just just wants to, 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 to throw away into the trash. We want Justin Jefferson and DK. We don't care about Thielen, and, but, but Thielen and Lockett keep coming back and making us kind of regret what we said. Justin Jefferson, 12 points compared to Thielen's 30. Hmm. Uh, I'm not worried about Justin Jefferson. Nine receptions. Uh, he had a, a few drops. He got kind of blown up on some plays. You know, throwing a touchdown, 18 points. Justin Jefferson, he played a really good game. It didn't translate to fantasy production, but I think he'll I think he'll be very good still. I'm not I'm not changing my opinion on Justin Jefferson. All I'm doing is saying maybe I underestimated Thielen's touchdown ability, but I, I got to see a few more games. I got I I'm not going to change my opinions already. But man, Thielen a touchdown machine. <laughs> but Justin Jefferson, don't panic at all. Don't panic. He's still a top five wide receiver. San Francisco and Detroit. Okay, we've got some people panic about here. Let's start with the good on San Francisco side of the ball, which is Debo Samuel. 9 of 12 for 189 yards and a touchdown. 32 points before that fumble. Absolutely phenomenal game from Debo. Now let's go to the bad. What happened to Brandon Ayuk? Put up a big old goose egg. Zero for zero for zero. All we can say is uh, the hamstring injury was lingering. Snaps and involvement was limited. Hopefully that's all. Hopefully he's not in the Shanahan doghouse because the Shanahan doghouse is not a good place to be, especially for a player that we were kind of expecting to have a breakout year from to open up week one with zero, hardly be on the field, and then his teammate to get 30 points. That makes me nervous. That makes me nervous. I'm not writing off Brandon Ayuk at all, but I'm nervous. <laughs> we got to find out where he was, definitely. We got to have the coach come out and say, we love Brandon Ayuk. He just wasn't involved because of hamstring injury, but don't worry. I'm going to pepper him with targets every other week. We got to hear that. 
just just to calm my nerves, just to calm my nerves. But that was that was a good game to watch. Holy smokes, that fourth quarter, Detroit's comeback, Jared Goff leading them back, the onside's kick, and then coming just short. It's a tragic, but perfectly tragic Detroit Lions loss. Fit for Thanksgiving. Elijah Mitchell, 19 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Because Raheem Mostert didn't take long. We talked about Mostert's lead back until he gets hurt. Two carries. Two carries, and he's hurt. We're not sure how long he's going to be out yet. It's not. The news hasn't broke. He doesn't have an ACL injury. We might look at two, four weeks uh, of him being out, which would mean Trey Sermon will definitely get a chance. But the way it's sounding, it's 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 a uh, it's between it, the the job will be up for grabs for RB two, and the fact that Sermon wasn't on the field and Elijah Mitchell carried the ball for nineteen times and one hundred four yards and a score five point four seven yards per carry. That's scary for Trey Sermon owners. I'm not ready to ride him off at all. At all, we got to see the guy get on the field. But you have to go pick up Elijah Mitchell. You have to. You must. It's a. It's a. Go pick him up, because if Mostert is gone, and for some reason we don't know what's going on, Trey Sermon isn't their guy that they thought he was. Elijah Mitchell's the next guy up, and he looked fantastic. He looked fantastic. It was against a bad defense. Keep that in mind. But when you're when you're playing with possible RB ones after week one that are on the waiver wire, there are going to be people saying, "I I don't buy it." I'm going to pick up someone else. Pick him up because it's way better to pick someone up and three weeks from now drop them because they don't they didn't pan out than to not pick him up and for him to be this year's James Robinson where we all go, oh my gosh, how did this guy go undrafted? So go pick up Elijah Mitchell, but don't, don't completely panic about Trey Sermon yet. Now, Jared Goff had a great game. He might be a streaming option just because he's going to throw the ball 57 times a game. Uh, now, the, the here's what's crazy. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, 25 points and 24 points, respectively. Jamal Williams got nine carries for 54 yards and a touchdown, eight receptions for 56 yards. DeAndre Swift, 11 carries, 39 yards, eight receptions for 65 yards and touchdown. 11 targets and nine targets. I didn't think that these two would actually both be fantasy relevant in this sort of way. But it makes so much sense. They don't have wide receivers. It's two running backs that get dump-offs and slants and a tight end. And they are going to produce all season. I'm convinced. Because they're playing from behind. They're going to play from behind every game. There's going to be a lot of garbage time but they will get the, the targets and interceptions. I, I am fully in on these two. Now, I was, I was, I, 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 DeAndre Swift was profit approved. He was on that podcast. The injury news broke and I kind of took him off and I was like, I don't think, but I said, if he's healthy, he's profit approved. It looks like he's healthy. We got the news before the season that he wasn't going to have his workload limited. DeAndre Swift, holy smokes. I talked about it on the first profit approved that that if he's actually playing and is healthy, he will be such a league winner because he's going for some reason in the third and fourth round. 
and he's going to get double-digit carries and double-digit targets. And people said, but what about Jamal Williams? And my answer was Jamal Williams won't be involved. I had no clue that they would both both be on, on pace for double-digit carries and receptions, but they might be, and it worked. The dump-offs, the short slants, the screen passes. DeAndre Swift can take the screen for 50-yard touchdowns. This offense might stink on paper, but for fantasy, it might be a gold mine for these two running backs. We might have one of the few few running back uh, committees that they're both RB1s. I'm not ready to say Jamal Williams will be an RB1. I'm looking at a more swift RB1, Williams high-end RB2, just because he was a little less involved. You know, takeaway is touchdown. The game's not as good, but wow. I underestimated Williams' ability to produce behind Swift. I did. And I think other people underestimated Swift's ability to produce next to Williams. I think they're both going to be fantastic this year. But DeAndre Swift, that's Alvin Kamara type work, you know. That's that's like an Alvin Kamara game. 11 targets, 65 yards, and a touchdown through the air. Wow. Against a tough defense, uh, historically, or or a good, well-coached defense, Green Bay coming up, they looked atrocious. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, they're going to head into week three with top five running backs. I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. Now, there are no real receivers that I'm interested in right now on this team. It's a, a tight end and two wide receivers and two running backs. That's the offense. And if you've got one of those three, they're going to produce a ton this year. TJ Hawkinson, 8 for 10, 97 yards, touchdown, bonafide stud. Kittle, are you a little worried? 4 for 5 and 78 yards in a fumble? Uh, I'm not super worried, but I'll tell you what, we haven't seen a wide receiver produce for San Francisco like we saw Debo. But I don't think Debo consistently gets 12 targets for 189 yards and touchdown. I don't think that continues. You got to ride the ride the hot hand if you're a Debo owner. You can't really bench him after that, but I'm not expecting that production to continue. Kittle will get more involved. Jacksonville, Houston. Let's talk about this one. <sighs> Urban Meyer uh, over under six games before he's fired. That's That should be the prize picks prop. Uh, man, <sighs> this was a bad game. 21-37, and it wasn't even that close in real life. Lawrence was shaky. Three interceptions. Why did Trevor Lawrence throw the ball 51 times in his NFL debut, especially when he was struggling? And James Robinson... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. And James Robinson <clears throat> only rushed the ball five times. You can't explain that. There's no explanation. Carlos Hyde, nine carries. James Robinson, five. Why? James Robinson, I mean, he did well. Average five yards a carry. <clears throat> I'm scared for James Robinson. And I'm scared for everyone in this offense, except for, for, for really the pass catchers. You know, they're going to 
kind of bounce around and have good games, but I'm scared for the runners. Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 51 times, and James Thomas can carry the ball five. And there's no explanation. So so the, the only argument would be hopefully Urban Meyer learns from his massive mistake that made them lose and gives his best player the ball. But do we expect that to happen? <laughs> I don't know. I'm horrified for James Robinson. I think ETN really was going to be a massive part in this offense. He was going to be, you know, the 10-carry guy and 10 receptions. But without him, they're just... Man, this was a bizarre game for that offense. Poorly coached. DJ Chark, 3 for 12, 89 and a touchdown. Marvin Jones, 5 for 9, 77 and a touchdown. Chenault, got his 50 yards. He's the PPR safe guy. Marvin Jones and DJ Chark. It'll depend on who catches the deep touchdown. Uh, If they're throwing 51 times a game, I guess there might be two. But Houston's defense is horrible, and and Trevor Lawrence was picked off three times. Going in Denver, Arizona, I don't have a ton of confidence in this offense, in anyone in this offense, except for maybe Chark and Chenault. I but but I'm scared of starting them because it, it it just looked like a very poorly coached team. It looked like a very poorly coached team. Don't don't sell James Robinson this low. But holy smokes, I'm scared if I own him, which I don't in any leagues. But I'm scared if I do. Houston, uh, we've got a problem. It's called Brandon Cooks is good again for the eighth year in a row or whatever. (laughs) He's been playing since 2014. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Every year people people kind of forget about him. I kind of forget about him because he's not very shiny at all. He's been on bad teams lately. But hey... 7 for 5, or 5 for 7, 132 yards. Got it done, 18 points against Jacksonville. Will this continue as they face tougher defenses such as Cleveland? Uh, he he will be involved heavily enough that he's probably a startable flex most weeks. And Tyrod Taylor is a good enough passer at this point. Tyrod Taylor impressed me. But there's someone that we need to really talk about in this offense is Mark Ingram. He carried the ball 26 times. And I know this offense is disgusting and and the fact that they look good is probably just because Jacksonville was a hot mess. But he carried the ball 26 times. That 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 will perk my ears up when I see 26 carries for someone who's unknown in the majority of fantasy leagues. Pick up Mark Ingram. Just pick him up. Uh pick up Elijah Mitchell first, but but put a put a request in for Mark Ingram. Because even if this team is bad even if it's an unproductive offense, if he's getting 26 carries a game, he'll be startable if one of your your main guys goes down with an injury. I don't think he'll be a, a great RB1 or RB2, but RB3 flex option and favorable matchups, he can get it done. We saw that he is the bell cow running back there. So pick him up. But wow, Jacksonville, I'm horrified if I own any of those players. Seattle, they got the win pretty easily against Indianapolis. It was a shaky game for the Colts. Uh, Russell Wilson, 27 points. Man, oh man. He's starting off hot as always. 254 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Chris Carson didn't do too much. He fumbled as usual. Tyler Lockett absolutely went ham. 100 yards and two touchdowns. DK, 60 yards and a score. 
These two are going to be phenomenal all year as long as Russell Wilson doesn't collapse. <laughs> but even then, they'll still be great. Uh, we knew we knew DK was great. We knew Lockett was also going to be very solid. Um, Lockett is more big play. Well, they're both kind of big play dependent, but Russell Wilson throws a big play, so it doesn't really matter. These two, great. They could also both finish, you know, top 12 this year. So if you have those two players, yeah, keep them in your starting lineup. They're great. Colts don't have a wide receiver one. It's it's uh, Zach Pascal by fantasy score, but he caught two touchdowns, only four receptions. I, I kind of doubt that for the rest of the season, half of his receptions will be scores. Uh, so there are no, no wide receivers here that I'm truly interested in. Jonathan Taylor and Hines are the only offensive pieces that I, I would really want to start on a weekly basis. Hines is like RB3 flex in a PPR league just because he, he, he got targeted eight times, took it for 48 yards, and he got, you know, nine carries. Uh, he was involved. Jonathan Taylor uh, looked pretty good, kind of. It was not a great game script for him. What was encouraging is that in a negative game script, he still saw some receptions, seven targets for 60 yards. Uh, he and Hines had more more targets than any of the other wide receivers. So that is encouraging for those running backs because we were worried that Wentz wouldn't drop it off to them as much as Rivers did. As of week one, it looks like he might do so even more, which is great. But Jonathan Taylor, the offensive line was shaky. They were playing with guys who hadn't really played in, in offseason due to injuries. I expect this offensive line to get a lot better. And I think Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, it's up from here. 17 points, I think it will go up even more because he didn't score. He didn't break off any big runs. He He's going to be great this year. He's going to be great this year. And Hines, startable RB3. All righty, Arizona-Tennessee. This was a great game for Kyler Murray. My projected number one overall quarterback got it done in a big way. 289 yards for four touchdowns, five carries for 20 yards, and another touchdown. Five touchdowns total. If you didn't watch this game, do yourself a favor. Go look up like the YouTube 10-minute compressed version. They post basically every decent play. And just watch this game. Just watch Kyler Murray. Magician on the field. It was like if Johnny Manziel actually panned out. It was absolutely one of the best games I've watched of a quarterback. And not like, oh, he had so many yards, but just just his maneuvering of the pocket, him tricking defenders, him airing out deep balls. Absolutely incredible game by Kyler Murray. This is kind of what we've been waiting for as Arizona. Uh, we've been waiting for Kyler to look like a genuine top five quarterback. He's had flashes. He's had some great games. He's put great stretches together. But yesterday was like we were watching a top five quarterback. And if he can keep it up, he will have a record-breaking season in fantasy. Minnesota coming up gave up a good game to Joe Burrow. Jacksonville just got torched by Trevor Lawrence. He, ha- he will have three straight 30-point games to start the season, I think. And he will be the quarterback of 2021 fantasy football. Chase Edmonds look like, looks like he'll be startable RB2. Uh, 12 carries, 63 yards for, for four and 43 yards. That's a good game for Chase Edmonds. Uh, James Conner, uh, it's going to be a time, a, a split backfield on the ground, 16 carries for 53 yards. He led the backfield in carries, but Chase Edmonds was more productive. But Edmonds is obviously the pass catching back as Conner didn't even ha- have a target so I think Edmonds will be startable most weeks, especially in favorable matchup. 
Hopkins, absolute beast. And then Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore fighting for that wide receiver two spot, both with five receptions, both, you know, 70 yards just about. Kirk got the two scores. Uh, those could easily go to Moore. Uh, but but Kirk, Moore, startable flex options. Both will be pretty touchdown dependent if you want big games, but both are going to see enough volume and, and yardage that they're startable flex options even without the touchdowns. I mean, Rondell Moore, 10 points in a rookie debut with no scores. That is exciting. That is really exciting. Christian Kirk, not trying to compromise him. Go pick up Christian Kirk. Most, most likely he's owned in a league. Rondale Moore, though, I talked about before this week happens, go pick up Rondale Moore because he's going to be on every waiver wire podcast because Kyler Murray will go crazy. And if Kyler Murray goes crazy, he'll get the ball enough to, to be good because if he gets the ball, he's phenomenal. There was a screen pass. You'll see it if you go watch that the, the highlights. There's a screen pass <clears throat> where nothing there, and he just weaves in and out of the defense for about 25 yards. It looked like a, a motorcyclist navigating a highway crash. <clears throat> it was a, a phenomenal play. Super exciting to see them finally have a speedy playmaker. Just that they can throw a screen and it takes it 20 yards. Easily could go 80. Rondale Moore, pick him up. Christian Kirk got the touchdowns and overshadowed Rondale Moore's debut, but it was a good debut. Pick up Rondale Moore. Tennessee, bad game. Bad game all around. Derrick Henry didn't do much. Um, I I was not high on him this season. I didn't think he'd have this bad of a game, but you know, 17 carries, 58 yards. Not what you want to see from Derrick Henry. Not what you want to see. A.J. Brown, he's profit-approved. He got it done. He struggled 49 yards, but he hauled in that touchdown to save his day, to save your day. Ugh. But but overall, just a bad game for Tennessee. I would look for them to rebound, though. It won't be this bad of a season. All right, Chargers got the win. They eked out the win over Tyler Heineke and Washington. Ryan Fitzpatrick got injured. I'm going to be honest. I think this team is better with Taylor Heineke. Heineke went 11 for 15, 122 yards and a touchdown. Ryan Fitzpatrick went 3 of 6 for 13 yards. And guess what Heineke does? He throws the ball to his best wide receiver. Ryan Fitzpatrick, why don't you target Terry McLaurin? Because Terry McLaurin was perfect. 4 for 4 and 62 yards. He was great. He made one of the most impressive catches I've seen. He's, he has the catch of the year so far. I mean, it's been one week, but he's already competing with some, some other good catches. Uh, but Terry McLaurin, absolutely phenomenal. He, he, will re, he will have be, better fantasy days. He didn't get a touchdown and didn't get a target through the first half. If Heineke's playing, Heineke will, will, will target him much more than Fitzpatrick was. And McLaurin, if he's, if he's the wide receiver one, he'll get some scores. Washington just was just struggling today. Gibson, this was another game where like it didn't translate to fantasy, but he had a good game. 20 for 90, 3 or 5 for 18 yards. He did fumble, but look for him to get in the end zone more uh, against the Giants, a much worse defense next week. Uh, he's a great player. And this is a game, you know, 108 yards of, from scrimmage. He was really the only running back involved. They just didn't score this week. And that will most likely change over the season. Logan Thomas, great tight end option. We knew it. Great tight end option. 
Justin Herbert struggled, uh, but not as much as his receivers did. His receivers dropped like seven passes. Two of them were touchdowns. So the fact that they got the win, he showed a lot of resilience, 337 yards and a touchdown, did throw a pick, did have a fumble. Wasn't a great fantasy game, but in real life, he looked very solid. Austin Eckler, this was bizarre. He didn't get targeted once. He did not get thrown to once. Austin Eckler, the bona fide receiving back, didn't get targeted. In fact, none of the running backs did. Absolutely bizarre. I would expect that to change, but we've seen Justin Herbert doesn't throw it to the running backs nearly as much as Phillip Rivers did. So so not super great for Austin Eckler, but he's a good enough runner that he should he should he should be a very solid RB1 this year. Uh, Washington is a tough run defense. So the fact that he scored, you know, 11 points without a reception, without a target, very encouraging. Mike Williams came through 8 for 12, 82 yards and a touchdown. We talked about the talent, it's there. Uh, we talked about if he can stay healthy, he'll be great. As long as he's healthy, Mike Williams will be a very solid RB2 in fantasy. Keenan Allen, great game, 9 of 13 for 100 yards. He's obviously the the wide receiver. One there didn't score, but put up 18 points in PPR still. Uh, so those two, great, great players. Start them every week that they're healthy. Cleveland, Cincinnati, one of the final games we've got to Kansas City did Kansas City things. Mahomes, 337 yards, three touchdowns, five carries for 18 yards and touchdown, 33 fantasy points. Absolutely amazing. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire put up a decent game, honestly. 43 yards on the ground, three receptions for 29 yards, throwing a touchdown or two, and he's he's a RB1. Without the, the touchdowns, though, it, it's not great fantasy production, but I, I'm not panicking about him yet. Now, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt showed that they can both be really good in a game, but it has to be high-scoring game. But Chubb and Hunt, RB1, RB2, in real life and in fantasy. Jarvis Landry looked good. Odell Beckham didn't play, so Jarvis Landry was the main wide receiver. Uh, People Jones, Schwartz, not really interested in them for fantasy purposes. But Tyreek Hill, my goodness. Tyreek Hill, absolutely incredible. 11 for 15. 197 yards and a touchdown, 37 fantasy points. There is not another wide receiver in the NFL who possesses the upside of Tyreek Hill. I predicted him as the number one overall wide receiver this year. People said, but what about Devontae Adams? I said, no, Tyreek Hill has a better quarterback at this point throwing to him. He's more explosive and he's going to see 15 receptions, 15 targets a game. I mean, Hardman, three targets. Robinson, two targets. Pringle, two targets. It was the Tyreek Hill show, and he can do that. He can pull off a one-man show with Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey, I guess he's the other part of this offense. 78, 76 yards, two touchdowns. Same old, same old Kansas City. Kelsey and Hill, absolutely phenomenal. Patrick Mahomes balling out. The running back will be touchdown dependent, but I expect more touchdowns in the future. Miami. Got it done against New England. Now, New England, they should have won, but they fumbled on like the 15-yard line. As That was disappointing. Mac Jones looked pretty solid in his NFL debut. Not many highlight reel plays, but he 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 was pretty decent. Tua, not a great fantasy game, but he got it done, so can't complain. Gaskin, he's, he's the RB1 in this offense. It was just a tough matchup in a, in a low-scoring game. But five targets, five receptions, 27 yards. That's what we want to see. That's the type of 
production we want to see or opportunity we want to see for Miles Gaskin. He should rebound next week against uh, Buffalo um, just because they'll have to pass a lot more because they'll be playing from behind and he'll see more more targets. James White, Damian Harris, uh, neither of them super good because neither of them got, got a touchdown. James White is still a great receiving PPR option. Damian Harris looked good on the ground except for the fumble. Aguilar continuing to surprise people. 72 yards and touchdown. He was good last year. He should be good this year. I don't know why no one likes Nelson Aguilar in fantasy football. He's a good receiver and he should be startable most weeks. Jalen Waddle is the wide receiver one for Miami. He moves differently. My goodness, watching him is a feast for the eyes. He's so, so smooth, so fast. He's a great wide receiver and he should, he should be startable most weeks, I would say, because he's the wide receiver one. That's, that's the issue for rookie wide receivers is a lot of times they don't have a solid role in this offense, but Waddle already does. He already does, and he's more talented than Devontae Parker. So Parker will get some receptions, get some yards, but Waddle is the guy to own. Green Bay and New Orleans. Jameis Winston looked phenomenal. Five touchdowns, only six incompletions. Ever since the LASIK eye surgery, Jameis Winston has been on another level. Uh, you know, it's only been like one game, but man, 29 fantasy points from Jameis Winston on only 14 completions. I don't think that level of productivity will continue, but in Carolina, he should have a good game. Giants coming up in the future. Jameis Winston should be a solid, solid quarterback option rest of the season, honestly, because he can dump it off to Kamara. He didn't do it much, but Kamara did get a receiving touchdown. 83 yards on the ground. Kamara's still Kamara, 18 points. He's great. Aaron Rodgers looked like doo-doo. My goodness, the Packers were terrible. The Packers were just a disgrace to the NFL. Look, my family, we're from Green Bay, so I have been watching the Packers for my whole life. And I can genuinely say this was the worst performance I have ever seen from them. Aaron Rodgers, man, terrible game. I've never seen him play like that. 15 completions, 133 yards, and two interceptions. One point in fantasy. I've never seen that from Aaron Rodgers. Never in my life. I mean, wow. Don't panic, though. Don't panic. If you remember last year against Tampa Bay, they had a horrible game, too. And they they looked really sharp and then had a terrible game, but they rebounded. Rodgers is good enough. He's talented enough, smart enough. Aaron Jones is talented. Devontae Adams is amazing. This offense will rebound. This is a combination of the Packers being a dumpster fire in an organization and not being ready for week one and the Saints being better than we expected. The Saints team is just better than we expected. Their defense, their offensive line, the the team is just better. They don't have Michael Thomas, so people freaked out. But the team is well coached. The team is good. But holy smokes, this is a terrible game for the Packers. If you've got Aaron Jones, don't trade him away. If you got Rodgers, don't trade him away. If you got Devontae Adams, don't trade them away. Don't sell low. Watch Detroit's coming up. 
They're going to beat down Detroit to, to rebound. It's predictable. Don't panic with the Packers. We've seen slow starts before. Terrible game, but overall, keep those players in your lineup and hope for hope for a rebound, which I expect will happen next week. Anyways, <clears throat> Denver and the Giants. Daniel Jones didn't throw a pick, but he did fumble. So some things never change. Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty decent. Melvin Gordon surprised me. Only 11 carries, but he carried one for 80 yards and that got the score. Uh, like the rest of his game wasn't very productive, but he broke off a big one. Javante Williams led the, the backfield in carries. <clears throat> Sorry, I got something in my throat. I don't know what's going on. Uh, he didn't break off any big ones. He wasn't super productive against Jacksonville and the Jets coming up though. Uh, Javante Williams, we'll see if he's the real deal. I'll just say that. He's going to get plenty of opportunity, even though Melvin Gordon got the score. It's going to be a split backfield. Now, if he can't produce against those two teams, if he can't go out and produce against Jacksonville when Mark Ingram just torched them or the Jets, uh, then then I'll be worried about Javante. I might even say drop him, especially if Melvin Gordon produces. But he will have his chance, and those defenses are bad enough he should be able to produce. Disappointing week one, but the the carries were there. Watch for him to to break out these next two weeks. Saquon, what did you expect? Be honest. What did you expect? It wasn't clear to play until a few weeks ago, coming off one of the worst ACL tears, a slow, a, a, a rough rehab, comes out 10 carries behind a terrible offensive line with a shaky quarterback who doesn't target him. What did you expect? Why did you expect rookie season Saquon? This is this is exactly what I've been predicting. The fantasy footballers, they've been predicting it. Everyone who's talked to anyone in the medical field knew that Saquon was not going to be a different breed coming off this ACL tear. Because, yeah, he's talented, but he wrecked his leg. I don't know why you drafted him in the first round. It was a bad decision. Heavily advised against by most people. Now he gets to face Washington next week. A great defensive line that shut down Austin Eckler for the most part. Saquon, he's not getting the targets. One reception for one yard. Gets Atlanta. Should put up a good game then. But then New Orleans. Why did you draft Saquon in the first round? That is the decision that will that will make you lose your league. That was just a bad decision to draft Saquon in the first round. I'm sorry, but what did you expect? Sterling Shepard looked pretty good. Uh, now, a lot of his points came on kind of a botch play by Denver's defense where he caught it and should have been tackled and just no one pushed him out of bounds and he kind of broke it off for a, for a big touchdown. Uh, but he's got at Washington, not really interested in starting him next week. Kenny Galladay didn't look very good. I, I just don't like touching the Giants in general. Unpredictable wide receiver core a running back who hasn't really shown us anything except for a good rookie season coming off an ACL injury, and a quarterback I have no confidence in. I'm low on the Giants. They lost to Denver. Pretty bad. I mean, Daniel Jones, garbage time, touchdown. I mean, I I don't like the Giants. You all know that. I think you can tell by my tone. But uh, staying away from every Giants player, basically. Now, the last game we get to talk to, Chicago versus the Rams. Matthew Stafford looked phenomenal. 
321 yards, three touchdowns, only six incompletions. He looked like, uh, you know, we knew he was a great quarterback, but he was stuck with the Lions for a long time. He's off the Lions now, so things are good for him. Justin Fields looked better than Dalton. Dalton looked so bad. 206 yards and pick and a fumble. No touchdowns. Terrible game from Andy Dalton. He's just a bad quarterback. We knew that. We knew that going. He's a, he's a bad quarterback. Dave Montgomery, thankfully, was able to produce. Um, <clears throat> he's profit approved. I was a little nervous, though. Week one against the Rams with Andy Dalton. Uh, but he was able to produce, which is exciting. 108 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, he's he's gonna he's a really good running back at this point, and people don't for some reason don't think of him as that. He's a good running back. He's not a product of a system. He was in a bad situation last night, and he produced six point seven five yards a carry. He's got Cincinnati coming up, Cleveland, Detroit, Vegas, Green Bay. I am so confident in Dave Montgomery after last night. So confident in Dave Montgomery. If he stays healthy, he got banged up for a few plays, but Dave Montgomery. The fact that he went in the third round with DeAndre Swift is absolutely bizarre to me after he finished last year's like the number one running back over the past few weeks. Bat last, I think, eight games, he was the number two overall running back. And he went in the third round, even though the situation had only got him better. Made no sense to me. And he showed us last night that, hey, that was kind of dumb to think he was bad after he <laughs> torched everyone in the NFL last year. I don't know. Some things are obvious. Some things aren't. Some things are, though. Saquon being a bust this year was obvious. David Montgomery being good was obvious. He's a good player in, a, in an improved situation. And people were scared because... I don't even know. I don't know why people... Because he, he was lackluster in his rookie season. Forget the rookie season. If we forget the rookie season and draft Saquon later and David Montgomery earlier, you would have won last week. But for some reason, people are still sticking to that rookie season narrative that David Montgomery's a bust and Saquon's a god and paying the price for it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Not to be negative. Anyways, Daryl Henderson, uh, he was he, he, he was okay. Um, he dominated the touches, which is exciting. 16 times for 70 yards. It was a slower game for him until the end. He, he got... The score, uh, he should be a pretty good RB2 as long as he's healthy. It was exciting to see that he actually did have a big workload. Um, but but this offense is going to be more pass-heavy than, than they have been in the past. I mean, Cooper Cup, 10 targets, 108 yards, a touchdown. Robert Woods, pretty decent game, two twelve points. Van Jefferson caught the big one, 80 yards, and a touchdown. This offense, the pass catchers will produce... It'll be hard to predict who gets the touchdowns. Uh, but but with Matthew Stafford there and Darrell Henderson, who's not the best running back, it's going to be pass-heavy, a lot of volume to go around, and there should be plenty of fantasy production for these wide receivers. Tyler Higby also had a good game. I'll just throw that in there. All righty, that is the end of the week one recap. Uh, not too many players that you have to go pick up right now. I mean, we talked about Elijah Mitchell. Pick him up. Uh, Jamal Williams, pick him up if you can. He's probably owned, but he'll be a solid RB2. Uh, Damian Harris, he should be owned as well. Pick him up if you can. Uh, yeah, and, and Mark Ingram, pick him up if you can. Those are really the main players that are probably unowned that should be owned. 
Christian Kirk, if he's available, Rondale Moore, if he's available, pick those guys up as well. But those are really the only players that go pick these guys up. All righty. That is the end of the week one podcast slash waiver wire podcast. I'll be back on Wednesday to give you half the half the games preview. That's what we do on Wednesday. Uh, we could we could make an extra podcast about buy low and sell high, except for people aren't dumb. You can't go out and trade uh, our uh, Christian Kirk after a big game for Ezekiel Elliott. As fun as that idea seems, people don't do that. Because people don't have memory spans of a goldfish. So, yeah, every every other podcast will be talking about buy low, sell high. I don't believe in it because it never works. <laughs> I mean, if, if, you, if you have a league mate who it might work with, go ahead, do it. You know how to do it. Send your garbage players for their good players. Um, but most times when you do that, people just get annoyed. So I'm not going to make a podcast dedicated to buy low, sell high. Maybe week four, we'll do that. Week two, maybe three, if, if people keep having bad games. But, but as of right now, one game, no one really overreacts that much because we've got, what, 800 different TikTok accounts yelling, don't overreact to week one. So who's going who's gonna to do it now? All right. That's just my personal thoughts on the buy low, sell high narrative. Uh, there are a few instances where it works, but it's usually later on in the season when someone has a bad start to the season and then something changes in the offense. Uh, but yeah, that is the end of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. A little recap of all the games that happened, all the action, and I will see you on Wednesday.